Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Easter morning. Christ is risen, and that's what we're celebrating on this Sunday, and we're grateful that you've got a little time for us for the next couple of hours. This is the First Day Show. We're brought to you by Greg Cooper and Lisa Phillips, real estate consultants with Crossroads Collective at Compass Realty, crossroadscollectivehomes.com as you are uh, thinking about buying a house. They're going to join us here in a little bit. Maybe you're selling your house, but they're going to join us here uh, in the next hour to talk about the latest real estate news. I'm Terry Stacy. Hi. Along with Kylan Talley producing today's show. Good morning. Good Happy morning, Easter. Sunshine. Happy Easter to you. She had her first Cadbury egg ever. I did. Terry was the one to gift me. I had a nice little Easter basket this morning. And inside it, I have these nice little egg sunglasses. Sparkly. Match her, her beautiful uh her, her beautiful blazer. She is all de- decked out in spring today. Mm-hmm. I'm actually wearing the same thing I wore yesterday, which is an old <laughs> WIBC ten seventy shirt. <laughs> Well, that's how we're celebrating today. It is. It Happy really we're celebrating is. with you. Yep. Denny Smith normally joins us here on the first day. He is celebrating his 50th wedding anniversary with his beautiful wife today and all their family as they celebrate Easter as well. So congratulations and uh, we'll miss you today, but we'll see you here next Saturday with the Home and Garden Show. Uh, coming up this hour, before we get to On This Day in History, the film Jesus Revolution. How many of you have seen it? It's the one that stars Kelsey Grammer. It hit theaters in February. It's pretty good. But it's the true story of a national spiritual awakening in the early 70s and its origins within a community of teenage hippies is what we refer to them, hippies in Southern California. We're going to talk to a gentleman that was a youth leader in Southern California during that time, which was a very, very interesting time. I was not uh, aware of it happening, but it apparently did. And the film is doing very well. It's called The Jesus Revolution. So, Kylan, let's do a little On This Day in History. The date, by the way, is April 9th. Today in History was the first ever sound recording, as known to mankind, right? We don't obviously know with other history, but this is the first ever discovered sound recording of a human voice. Now, we've come a long way from there. there. Did you you have it? Yes, I do. And it's, I'll give you a warning. It's kind of scary, and if you can imagine, sound isn't going to be the best. First time ever. First time ever. Eighteen hundreds. Let's hear it. Okay. It's dreadful. You can hear a guy singing what they believe to be. I'll let him finish. He's singing. Yeah, Eau Claire de la Lune. It's a French folk song. And the person who invented this earliest known sound recording device, the phonograph, Edward Leon Scott de Martinville. And they think from all of their discoveries that this was Edward himself singing. And it was just slowed down and 
the way that the phonograph works is you take squiggles that are written out on a paper and that machine uses tuning forks to then create a sound that is written out with that. It's a very interesting thing because he's singing and it creates It's Let's hear it one more time. Okay, okay. I thought this was a, an instrument. You could hear La Lune there. No, you can't. That is so spooky. <laughs> but it's the first sound ever to be recorded in the 1800s, and it was on this day in history. Look how far we've come. That's interesting. That was good. That was very, very interesting. Thank you, Kylan. Anything else? today in history, because I know the eclipse news is going around for oh, next yeah, yeah, summer. Yeah. Well, on today in history, in 1959, NASA publicly announced the seven astronauts that were selected to fly for Project Mercury. That's cool. Mm-hmm. On this day in history. Yeah. Thank you. Imagine being one of those seven. Thank you. That's yeah. crazy. I love astronaut stuff, and I love I the story that um, we just heard from Parker about a year tomorrow, or no, year yesterday. It will be that total solar solar eclipse. Toner, is it the solar or lunar? Solar. Solar, yep. solar eclipse. everything complete, complete darkness. Dark. They say it's like shutting off the lights, and it's very wild, and we can we can be so excited about it happening. But NASA's coming out to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway to do kind of a talk and and be here a part of it since we are right in that path. It's kind of a cool story. And tourism, they're already booking hotels to come to our city to, to see. It's, it's going to be a big deal. So, uh, yeah, that's cool. You um, know, not to backtrack a little bit, but I was thinking about this phonograph. And are you still there, thinking about it? I am, because I just think it's so cool <laughs> to be the one to discover how to record sound. Yeah. Crazy. The inventors in general, amazing work that they do. Well, with the phonograph, they believed that Edward, who created it, also recorded Abraham Lincoln. They thought that he re- they recorded his, his voice. voice, right? But some people say it's just a legend or myth. Some people actually believe it, and that archive of Abraham Lincoln's voice is just hidden somewhere in Thomas Edison's archives. They don't know, and I guess we'll never know. But I think that's pretty cool. The, it is pretty the cool. The thought of knowing what they sounded like. Yeah, yeah. I wish they'd find that someday, and they will. Someday we will be able to hear Abraham Lincoln's voice, which would be awesome. Um Okay, that's good stuff. Listen, if you're looking for something to do today, they at the uh, Hard Truth Distilling Company, they've got their Easter beer hunt, right? That's coming up today. There are two different shifts. This is an adventure for adults, uh, and it will be, I believe, at 2 and 4 p.m. today at Hard Truth Distilling Company. And it is an Easter beer hunt adventure, as I mentioned, and it's going to be awesome. Attendees will receive items to take home, including two Hard Truth shooters, six bottles of Quaffon beers, a Quaffon koozie, and a Hard Truth tote. How about that? They have really good stuff over with Hard Truth. I got to go to a a sampling uh, over in Big Woods in Speedway. Yeah. Amazing stuff. There's really fun. So if you want to do that, you need to register. So just go to Hard Truth Distilling Company's website and uh, see what you need to do to get registered. Again, 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock today. Uh, It is 1013 here on 93 WIBC. We're going to be here with you for a couple of hours. You doing anything special today? I will be going down to see my family. Me too. And doing an extra Easter egg hunt for my baby sister and then my nieces. But besides that, maybe coloring some eggs. I know a lot of people 
are buying the plastic eggs to then dye instead of dyeing real eggs <laughs> because are. that's cheaper. <laughs> because eggs are so expensive. You know, I want to say this about the eggs, okay, if I may. Uh, I got my eggs for a dozen eggs at $1.99. $1.99 for a dozen of eggs. Now, maybe that's been brought to, maybe it's $2.99. Anyway, it was under $3 for a dozen eggs. And I know that still seems like a lot, but if you really break that down, it's not much. It's still not much. Mm-hmm. $3. In comparison to buying an egg. But you're right. Out of a plastic, exactly. <laughs> a plastic egg, those I've seen for a dollar, for a dozen of really? those little plastic eggs. So yeah, you, but I didn't know you could dye them. But anyway, I hope you have a great time at your Easter egg hunt. I'm doing morel mushroom hunting because oh. it is the season and they're moving north now. They're starting to see them in just about all the counties in southern Indiana and uh, this has become kind of a tradition for us and so I'll be headed down to Morgan County and we do a little mushroom hunting today. A lot of them being found out there and next week we'll talk to an expert so you can be a first timer if you want to. You'll love <laughs> it. Expert. It'll be really fun. It, it really is. Now coming up here on the first day we've got a Wabash College senior that someday would like to be the president of the United States. He's a future presidents of America camp alum and we've got details too details too on how you can register for that upcoming camp right down the street here from us in uh, at M- or, uh, on Monument Circle it's just up the street that camp that's coming up we'll tell you how you can register for that when we return to the first day on this Easter Sunday on 93 WIBC life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Ninety-three WIBC. It is Terry Stacy will imagine a summer camp, but for future presidents of the United States. It's very cool, and you know what? You will not find any past presidents there, but possibly one of the country's future presidents at the Future Presidents of America summer camps. They are now accepting applications. We've got details for you in just a few minutes. But first, joining us now is a Future Presidents of America alum. His name is Stuart Anchor. How are you, Stuart? Stuart? I'm doing very well, Terry. How are you? We're doing okay. You uh, you ready for this next phase of your life after you graduate from Wabash College in just a few weeks? You know, it's it's uh, slightly daunting, but at the same time, I think there's uh, there's no other time to get it started, so I might as well have to be right now. You know, how, what has college life been like? Um, well, a lot of it has been, in my opinion, just, uh, you know, a, a quick time, a quick flash of the pan. I know it's always been talked about how fast time passes during college life, but it's kind of crazy now looking at it uh, as about a month away I'm going to graduate. So I would say that, yes, it does flash by rather quickly, but I've just had nothing but a good time. I mean, lots of friends, experiences that I'll never forget. Uh, it's been very good. You know, for those that are graduating high school this year and now they're headed to college to begin their freshman year in the fall, what is your advice for that first year of, of college? Well, mainly, you know, my freshman year of college, I certainly made my fair share of mistakes. I'm sure others can agree with me. But my problem was I was too concerned with trying to be a part of everything too fast 
Well, time does flash by, and I like to say that because uh, it is truthful. I would recommend to all incoming freshmen that they take their time kind of getting involved. I mean, take opportunities as they come, but don't feel as though you have to go to absolutely everything. Otherwise, you're going to miss part of college life. I mean, freshman year certainly is exciting. Uh, there's a lot that happens by, there's a lot that come, come up in your face, and you're going to want to take take advantage. But but truly, to all incoming freshmen, there's, there's time to get all that stuff done. You will have time to experience college life, to do everything you want to do. Just don't overdo it. At some point, you wanted to be the president of the United States. Do you still? Well, I was going to say, there was there was a part of me, certainly, that wanted to do that. But honestly, it's it's funny enough. Uh, I think president of the United States is, is a job that, that I would be uh, glad to take, but in a few years. And when I mean a few years, I mean after several years of doing something that's important. So the president of the United States is a position that I think people should have, man or woman that should have, that has really done something with their careers, has contributed to their community, to the world, to the nation in a certain aspect, whether it be industry or medicine or something that's important. And I think that before I were to become president, I need to figure out exactly what that is. So I think that being president would be a huge honor and I'd be happy to do it. But there is a part of me still that wants to do something worthwhile before I I attain that position. There must be a lot of similarities, whether you're the president of a big company or you're the president of the United States. I think that being president of a company and being president of the United States, there are certain you know similarities. I think that sort of corporate politics and actual politics, they, they tend to run similarly, especially in modern culture where a lot of sort of current trends, I would just honestly say workplace culture has sort of ruled over um, a lot of large corporate America. I think being a, a large CEO of a company, I think you're less defined with, you know, how well you appease your employees versus, you know, how well your company actually does during your tenure. I think being part of being the president is being somewhat popular, but I wouldn't necessarily say it's the whole thing. And I think the the last couple of presidents honestly have proved that you don't necessarily need to be the most popular guy in the room, but a lot of it, people tend to look now at uh, just kind of what you've done and, and sort of what you stand for. How do you feel about the future right now as you leave college? What's funny, you know, I, I have a lot of older mentors and a lot of them tend to be so so cynical sometimes. Uh, and I say that as a sort of a joking manner when I'm talking about the future. But I think that younger people are, they're really doing themselves a disservice whenever they're, they're very cynical or, or non-optimistic about how the future. I think there's a lot of optimism to be, to be seen in the next coming years. And I think that in order to really take a full advantage of life and to try and enjoy everything that you, all the time that you have on the planet. I think that you'd be, like I said, doing yourself a disservice not to think that. There's plenty of opportunities. The world is evolving in a way that is good for a lot of people. Jobs, I think, are being created all the time. I'm an economics major, so um, the idea that you know uh, certain technologies are taking jobs away from people, well, there is also a counter-argument that says that those certain technologies also expand the job market. There's just ways of looking at the world that I think are important for younger people, and I think that's that's one of the most important ones. Be more optimistic. Stewart is one of the future presidents of America summer camp alums, which is at the President Benjamin Harrison home coming up here in just a, a couple of months. And what do you learn when you go to future presidents of America summer camp? Uh, I think the biggest thing that you learn, uh, in my opinion, was, was the idea of civic engagement. Um, I think that, you know, understanding kind of what the presidential office entails, um, some of the history about it, you know, the, those are all things that I, that I enjoy. But I think that the biggest thing that I took away from it was the idea of civic engagement, about the fact that Harrison lived in a neighborhood in Indianapolis, and you go around the neighborhood and sort of understand exactly what these used to be during, during Harrison's lifetime uh, and what he did for his neighborhood itself. Um, because obviously being the president 
there's so many things that you sort of um, tend to look at uh, from a macro scale and, you know, an impact that you have there. But I think from even from his beginnings or trying to understand exactly how he got the bid for president um, or from, uh, uh, you know, other leaders to sort of become a general in the Civil War, there were things that he had to do in the civic uh, level first. And I think those are honestly as important, if not more important, than, than some of the things that he did during the, the presidential site. It, it allows you to understand a sense of community and understand why that's important, uh, especially in today's society, to take care of your own community first. Designed for young leaders ages 12 to 16, and it is an innovative program focused on the qualities that make for great presidents. And I will give you that website. It's bhpsite.org, and look for Future Presidents of America. That event is going to be June 26th through the 30th at the President Benjamin Harrison site, and it is uh, it is really a terrific program. What do you going to do when you leave school? Um, so I'm actually going to go work at the Austrian Central Bank for, for, roughly, a, for roughly a year. So I'll be working mainly in, in banking uh, oversight, understanding exactly how the, the central bank looks at and tries to regulate um, private banking entities. What do you think about what's happened? What's been happening of late with our banks? Well, you know, I think there's a lot of controversies that tend to go on. Um, and I'll try to understand exactly whether yeah. or not this is a career field I'd like to go into. I'm looking forward to uh, to just seeing what it has to offer. I yeah. think there's a lot to be gained, a lot to be learned, but, uh, but yeah, we'll see what happens. Well, we wish you the best of luck. You've got such a great future ahead of you, and we are so grateful that you had time for us today. Stuart Anchor, we'll wait for your name to come up on our ballot one day. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Terry. I appreciate it. It is 1027. We have, what's the temperature right now? It's 50 degrees. It's 50 degrees, right? I do believe. Oh my goodness, I should have looked. I was looking quickly because I want to make sure that you have this information about our future president's camp that is coming up. And uh, I also know, and Kylan, I will grab that if you can go ahead and give us some of those trending stories right now before we head into the newsroom. It is 50 degrees out, a beautiful Sunday morning. Some trending stories for your Sunday. I know Taiwan is trending this morning, and you'll get the latest on what's happening over there during that bottom of the hour Fox News. And let's get some sports news in. I know Pacers lost their last home game. It was very sad. I know. I'm still wearing my Pacer colors. I do. I was very... I couldn't be sad about it because the person who was behind that for the Pistons was Jaden Ivey, the former Purdue basketball player. So all the better for Jaden Ivey, still repping for Hoosiers, I'll say, at least. Okay. (laughs) He ended up scoring 29 points to get them in the lead. That's excellent. Other things trending today, you can become help with the volunteer cleanup in Whiteland. So if you do have some extra time that you're able to donate over there, please do so. And then finally, for this hour at least, Livability has ranked best places to live in the Midwest in 2023. They examined 2,000 different cities with more than 50 data points to take into account. And two of Indiana towns made it on that list. Oh? Can you guess which ones? Fishers. Wow. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. I'm sure you can guess the other one. Carmel. Yep. Go Carmel. Go Hamilton Fishers. Hamilton County. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Good on you guys. All right. I wanted to give this information to you for the 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 Benjamin Harrison Presidential Site. And this is where you can register for the Future Presidents of America Summer Camps, which is coming up June 26th through the 30th. Go to bhpsite.org slash Future Presidents of America. It's 1029. You're listening to The First Day on 93 WIBC. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I am strong when I am on your shoulders. Raise me up to more than I can be. The Jesus Revolution, the film starring Kelsey Grammer, released in late February. It's the story of the real-life so-called Jesus movement of the 60s and 70s. It started in California, and then I'm told it quickly spread throughout the world. Well, joining us now is Paul Wiley. And, Paul, we are so glad to have some time with you. How are you, sir? Thank you. I'm glad to meet you, Terry. It's nice to meet you, too. Paul was a youth leader in a Baptist church in Southern California in the 70s, and I thought it would be interesting to hear what it was like then. So, Paul, you know, how do you describe the Jesus Revolution back in the in the 60s and 70s when you were there? We were in Southern California from 70 to 78. We were youth leaders from 71, 72 until 75. So these were high school students. When we became youth leaders, you know, they were singing songs that we hadn't heard before. And many of them came from Calvary Chapel and the um, the Jesus Revolution. Many of them were camp songs. And But what impressed me the most is the emphasis on singing Scripture. Because when you sing Scripture, it's an easy way to memorize. It helped me. I I'm, find it difficult to memorize things. But it was a very good way for me to learn Scripture. And sometimes you didn't even know it was Scripture until later on you found it as a reference. Anybody that hasn't seen the film, The Jesus Revolution, can you describe what it was really about? Prior to 71, uh, is mostly hearsay for me, what I've read in Chuck Smith's autobiography and also in uh, Greg Laurie's book. Uh, the opening scene touched me deeply. It's at Pirate's Cove. As the f- camera is walking up this pathway, I knew exactly, okay. I knew exactly where I was. My first encounter with Calvary uh, directly was in 1971 when a colleague at work, I worked for a defense contracting company, uh, electronics company, and he had been involved in Calvary Chapel almost from the beginning, attending Bible studies and such like that. He loved what was going on at Calvary Chapel. So he and his wife invited me to, uh, my my wife and I, to a concert. It was called the Everlasting Jesus Concert, and I believe it was the first album that was put out by Maranatha Music. So he had a couple of a couple of teenage girls, and uh, they reserved places for us, maybe on the third row. I kind of gulped when we walked in and found out that's where we were, but it was in the tent. And the tent in the movie doesn't come close to representing the real tent. The real tent was a three-ring circus tent. It was huge. And there we were on the third row, and all of these uh, contemporary Christian music groups, Love Song, Children of the Day, uh, Country Road, I believe is the name of one of them. It was wonderful. The, I liked the music. I liked the the atmosphere. It was, well, let's see what you can say. Welcoming is the right word. You know, sometimes the congregation might sing something and somebody would, would put their hand, arm around you and you'd sway back and forth to the music and stuff like that. It was just a, it was a great experience. 
That was our first encounter. Then about that time, or 70, 72 or so, uh, we were youth leaders. That's when I started to, to learn the songs that came to us through the kids that were in our fellowship. And Calvary Chapel began to, to have, as a way of ministry, they would buy out Disneyland or Knott's Berry Farm, and the music groups would be stationed at different places around the park. It was a great experience. That was just a, one of the ways of ministry that came out of that movement. It essentially tried to blend some of the beliefs and practices of the hippie counterculture with evangelicalism, and that Jesus movement is credited with launching and popularizing that Christian rock music industry that we know today. But you also tell us a story about Pirate's Cove. Tell us about that story. I had been dis- become disenchanted with the defense industry. I'd taken a job up in Oregon. Our girls wanted to be baptized, and in 76, we started, we started going to Calvary Chapel every Sunday. We went to Pirate's Cove, and they stood out in the water, and everybody standing by, standing, wants to be baptized by Chuck Smith. But during that time, there was a motorboat coming out of the harbor. Pirate's Cove is kind of at the edge, end of the harbor, and there was a motorboat coming out. It dropped its anchor. A woman dived into the water, swam into shore, spoke to someone, and apparently they uh, shared the gospel. And uh, she accepted the Lord, and she got in the line and went out and got baptized and then swam back to her boat and was on her way. And it's, it's kind of the way the, way the movement worked. Uh, it worked in many, many different ways. It was not just through hippies. It influenced uh, all of Southern California and then spread to other places in the country. I don't know if there's ever been a time like that again. I don't know. You know, one of the things that uh, Greg says in his book is it can happen again. It seems like a spontaneous revival, but these are years in the making. When you read Chuck Smith's book, uh, Autobiography, you realize that uh, much of his ministry was would be counted as a failure, but it brought him to the point that he became a teacher. When these young people came to know Christ, they needed to be taught because they had not gotten it from the culture. They had not gotten it growing up. They didn't understand. They didn't know the scripture. And so he became a teacher. So I think God is, is one of the messages for me is that God is, is at work all the time preparing people for his next big thing. We don't know when that next big thing will happen. We at the time thought that we were in the end times. We felt that this was the revival that led to the to the second coming. Many people felt that way. God is delayed for whatever reason. We look forward to the time that others will begin to, to need him. One of the things that Greg says in his book is that desperation leads people to the Lord. And it's when you don't know the answers to today's problems and the problems in your life and so forth that you begin to look for other solutions. They're just lessons in Scripture that we need as we navigate this life. This is Paul Wiley, and Paul has had such an interesting life, as he mentioned. And and since those days, in the 60s and 70s, you've done a lot with your life. What a journey. In the last 10 years, you were managing a software development team in Russia and attended Calvary Chapel services there. But ladies and gentlemen, Paul actually is now uh, a jam man, meaning he's a berry (laughs) farmer. Paul'sJam.com. How did that 
that happen? In Southern California, we I loved boysenberries. I planted a couple of bushes. My first attempt at making jam was, to, it says, crush the berries. And I said, well, I've got a blender here. I'll just bl- run in the right. blender. It was the worst jam I ever tasted <laughs> because it just beat the seeds up and made it made it bitter. Later on, I, I discovered that crushing the berries was kind of with, lick a, with a lick and a, a promise. As you cook them, they kind of break apart anyway. When I moved to Oregon, I went out with some folks at, at a pie restaurant, ordered a boysenberry pie. They said, we don't have boysenberry. We do have a blackberry. I said, okay, fine, I'll take the blackberry. And when I started eating the pie, the, the shape of the blackberries was not like anything I had ever seen before in my life. They were, instead of being spherical, they were kind of long and cylindrical. And I asked the girl, what kind of berry is that? She said, oh, it's probably a marionberry. I said, what's a marionberry? She said, I don't know. It's just a marionberry. <laughs> I called the extension service, and they told me about marionberry and how it was a cross of the Olali blackberry and the Shehalem blackberry. Uh, later, when I did you pick, I would pick some Shehalems, and the farmer's wife suggested that I mix the Shehalems with the marionberry because the Shehalem was small, tart, and, and firm, and it was a blackberry from hell, but it was the flavor component that gave the marion its unique taste. So that's one of the things about my jam, and I raised the Shehalems largely because I can't I can't buy them. Paulsjam.com. If you can describe what has it been like, if you can sum up what life has been like as a berry farmer. Well, it keeps me out of the gym. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I've you know been doing it maybe 15 years or more. Oh wow! Uh, commercially, that is sell it at, at farmers markets. You want me to sing my jingle? I do. I do. <laughs> I didn't know you had one, but let's hear it. We want to hear it. <laughs> the fact is. Nobody goes to farmer's markets to buy jam. It's a commodity. Um, uh, they're there to buy artisan things and fresh fruit and fresh vegetables and things like that. And so you've got to do something, uh, make your, turn yourself into a fool in order to, to get people to stop by and, and, and check it out. So uh, here's my jingle. Okay. Let me tell you about Paul's Jam, Paul's Jam, Paul's Jam. I've got a Marion Berry on steroids, a raspberry that'll walk off the table, and a blueberry lime, and a tart cherry with chunky bits of fruit that are great as yogurt mix-ins. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness, I love it! That well, ought to get the attention. Now, you can't tell me you're not selling any, any jam after you sell, sing a song like that. Well, if I can get somebody to taste it, they'll. If I can get them to stop just long enough to taste it, ninety percent, I'll get the time I get a get a sale. I really have enjoyed this conversation, Paul. It's definitely a lost leader. You know, <laughs> year before last, I lost six hundred dollars. This year, I lost twenty six hundred dollars. Oh, because Paul Wiley is his name, and Paul's Premium Jam. Go to paulsjam.com if you'd like to see what he's got. Thank you for spending some time with us today. I really mean it. Thank you, Terry. And happy Easter. And to you, too. You're listening to The First Day. We're brought to you by Greg Cooper and Lisa Phillips, real estate consultants with Crossroads Collective at Compass Realty, CrossroadsCollectiveHomes.com. This day in music history, ABBA's Dancing Queen went to number one 
in the U.S. singles chart, and that makes me so much more excited for next season's Broadway show of Mamma Mia. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to see it. If you did miss our conversation with our friend Matt Porter from Broadway Across America, you can go to our podcast, First Day with Terry Stacey, on any of your streaming platforms and re-listen to that conversation. That's Kylan Talley producing today's show. Denny Smith is out today. They're celebrating their 50th anniversary, he and his beautiful wife, and they're also celebrating Easter. Happy Easter to all of you as well. We're glad you're here with us. However long you can stay, <clears throat> excuse me, it is 1050. We have 54 degrees, beautiful, beautiful sun sunny skies, whatever you're doing today, it's going to stay that way. Lots of sunshine, and we'll just continue to get warmer throughout the rest of the week, but it looks like it's going to be a good one. This is a story that uh, I wanted to share with you all because it's just, it's such an uplifting story. Even my husband... Love this story. And this happened last week in Florida. One of the owners of a hotel, her name is Judy, was walking on the beach and she was cleaning up the junk that washed into the shore, onto the shore and she finds a bottle with a message in it. This is a true story. There's also some sand and two $1 bills in this bottle. So they opened it up and they read the notes. There were a few of them that they found inside And they also found out that it was, in fact, not sand in that bottle. It was the ashes of a woman's husband in uh, of 70 years, 70 years. And it was the woman's ashes, the woman's husband's ashes. uh, And his name was Gordon. And she writes a note in that in that bottle. And she says that he loved to travel. So she sent him traveling in a bottle with a note And money for someone to call home and tell her where he had landed. Well, he had landed. He had started, actually, at Big Pine Key in March of 2012. And then he went to um, uh, Islamadora, where someone found him. And they also added a note that was inside the bottle that this hotel owner had found. And that hotel or that person that found him then sent him traveling again. And that's when he landed on the beach in Key Colony in Florida. And Judy, the hotel owner, called the wife of this man in Tennessee, who was so excited to know that Gordon's travels and where he had been. And uh, Judy added a note and also put him in a rum bottle because she thought that might be a little fun addition to his trip. And uh, and with three notes. And she also added another dollar in case Gordon traveled far and a long-distance call was needed. So they decided, Judy had posted on this Facebook group page that I'm on, she said, we will be having a memorial service or celebration of his life on our beach later today before we send him on his way again. Oh, it's a beautiful story. I love that story. I do, too. A note found in a bottle with ashes of of Gordon and where to call and let the the wife know of seventy years where he was at that time. But he'd been traveling for t- since twenty twelve, and uh, it had just washed ashore at Florida in Florida at this hotel. So I, I, I think that's such a, a sweet story. Scared finding the bottle and oh okay some nice and oh this isn't sand. <laughs> I'd be a little scared at first. Well, at first you're a little alarming, right? It's a little alarming. You've but actually that's found really ashes. Sweet though. Yeah, it's really a sweet story. And the story. traveling. Oh, 
because or, because he loved to travel. So she she put his ashes in a bottle and sent him in the put him in the ocean, and off he traveled. And I I just thought that was such a beautiful beautiful story. And then a beautiful story about the family that the hotel owner that found him and mm-hmm. decided to have a memorial service again before they sent him on the way and moved him over to a rum bottle because she thought that would be <laughs> more fun for as he continued his travels. It That's created just a great good story. community too. It yeah. wasn't just a good travel for Gordon, but then a community within it. Yeah. I think I found my it's new really thing I want story. to be when I I love it. I love that story. Uh, it is 10.54. Kylan, what are we going to do? Ten. Uh, we're going to go to 56? Yep, 56. 56. Shall we, shall we nice celebrate the minutes. Masters? <gasps> really? Oh, my. Hit it. If you got it. The Masters theme song. My favorite. This is such a beautiful song. The Masters theme song, which has kind of become the unofficial theme of spring, Maybe you don't know, but Dave Loggins, singer-songwriter who is third cousin of Kenny Loggins, uh, he's the guy, he's the master, so to speak, mind of this song. But what you might not know is there are words to this song titled, Augusta. You know, every year during the Masters, I love to tell you <laughs> the words to the song, the music that you're hearing. Do you have it, Kyle, in front of I you? I do. Here we go. Well, it's springtime in the valley on Magnolia Lane. It's the Augusta National and the master of the game. Who will wear the green coat on Sunday afternoon? Who will walk that 18th fairway singing this tune, Augusta? Your dogwoods and pines. They play on my mind like a song. Augusta, it's you that I love. And it's you that I'll miss when I'm gone. It's Watson. Byron Nelson. Demerit. Player and Sneed. It's Amen Amen Corner. Corner, And it's it's Hogan's Hogan's Perfect perfect Swing. swing. It's Sarazen's Double Eagle at the 15 and 35. And the spirit of Clifford Roberts that keeps it alive. Augusta, your dogwoods and pines, they play on my mind like a song, Augusta. It's you that I love. And it's you that I'll miss when I'm gone. It's the legions of Ernie's army and the golden bear's throngs and the wooden shafted legend of Bobby Jones. Augusta. <laughs> Brought to you by First Day with Terry Stacy. There are words to the song that we all love so much. 56 degrees, still another hour to come of the first day. 1056, non 93, WIBC. No. Ooh, that's why I'm easy.